Welcome to Free Life Chapel, where we help you discover and live your free life in Christ. I'm Josiah, and I'm so happy you decided to tune in with us today. Go ahead and connect with us by dropping a comment below or visit our website at freelifechapel.org where you can see what's happening at our church. But for now, we got an awesome experience in store for you, so check it out. in a series right now. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you so much. We're in a series right now called Sensational. Sensational. Anybody ever notice that you and I are really good at sinning? Yeah. Like we just, see, we're just, just jumping right into it, right? Just, just from, from, from the get. We are. We make decisions and we think, why, did I do, why am I doing this? I know I shouldn't be doing this. Have you ever eaten anything you knew you shouldn't have eaten? I'm talking like this morning. Like, yeah. I know, like, talking to a, a guy years ago was kind of funny. He, he was a big boy. He was a big boy. And he said, Pastor, I'm losing weight. I said, good, good. He was, he was, in, this, he was in this role, man. He was, he was going to go out. I'm, he's a big boy. And, uh, and I said, hey, I, I saw him a, a couple weeks later. I said, How, how's it going, man? How, how's that diet going? He said, dude, I fell off the cart. I said, you did? He said, yeah. I woke up the other day and I made some eggs and a piece of toast. I ended up eating a whole loaf. I just ate the whole loaf of bread, man. It was just good. I just kept buttering it up and I just, I just ate that. And he was a big boy. I said, okay, well, start again, start again. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It kind of, kind of along the line of, of what Caleb was talking about today you know, in the Olympics. I've been watching. Have you been watching, have you been watching some of the Olympics going on? Me too. I, 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 I cried in front of the TV yesterday. Did you all see the, the lady running? I think she's from Ethiopia. She was running the 10,000-meter the, the the, the, uh, race, and it was her third long-distance race, and she's coming into the end, and like, she's unexpected. No one has ever done this in the history of the world, run all three of these long-distance races, and she's coming in the end, much less she won medals in the first two. She's just competing in the third one, and when she turned the corner in the very last lap, she kicked it in. She started running, and I'm looking at her going, no! I can't believe she has that left and I started crying no I, I'm not even kidding you. I'm not I was just so happy for it. it was just it was an absolute it was an amazing thing but if you're watching track if you're watching uh, uh swimming if you're I was watching wrestling the other day where gold came back uh, uh USA came back and won gold in like the last six seconds of the entire match it was amazing uh, when you're watching these things here something I've noticed about all of them is they all have boundaries when, 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 when a lot of the races are being run, you've got to stay in your lane. You've got to stay in your lane. When, when you're swimming, when the swimming meet is going on, there are these little, these little floaty things, right, that I'd be stopping to hold on to the floaty thing. But you're, the, those are there to tell you stay in the lane. On, on the wrestling mat, if they get outside of the ring, they stop it, they pull them back in the middle and start over because there is a boundary Boundaries are so important in our life. We, we need boundaries. We need emotional boundaries. We need relational boundaries. You ever had someone you had to cut off? Don't look at anybody. Don't look at it. Do not look at your neighbor right now. Look this way. If you've not done it in a while, you probably need to re-inventory the people in your life. Because I've had some great people enter my life in one season and I had to make some changes for the next. It's okay. It's okay to reevaluate. We've got to have boundaries. There's some things that are just not okay. 
You need financial boundaries. You ever gone to Walmart for a toothbrush and walked out with like $175 worth of stuff and you're not sure how that happened? Me too. That's why you just walk in with a $5 bill in your hand. That's all you can. Don't take the credit card. We need these boundaries in our life, but let me help you. We need, we need spiritual boundaries as well. We, we need to create some spiritual boundaries as well in our life. God, throughout his word, we see boundaries mentioned and talked about, but I just want to like jump all the way back to the beginning, y'all. Like Genesis chapter 1, from jump, God said, I'm putting boundaries in place. Before, I, before we even get this whole thing going, Adam, before I give you a woman, she's more than you can handle. I'm going to give you a lady. You need boundaries. You do life my way, stay in the boundaries, it's going to work. You breach the boundary, you break the boundary, you're going to jack this whole thing up. And so he set boundaries. Genesis chapter 2, God is talking to Adam, like the first dude, right? And here's what he says. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden. Someone shout every tree. I know, I like that. Except, boundary, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. I hear from people all the time, man, God, just serving God is just so limited, just so restricted, just so hard, just so... God told Adam, eat from the entire forest. Like, eat it all. Wear it out. Have a party. Invite your friends. Overeat. Go for it. But. Leave it alone. Why? Do we trade that for this? What is it about that that we disregard all of that? Isn't it amazing? Again, we've talked about this before. You see the sign that says wet paint, don't touch. What do you do? You touch it. That rebellious streak thing up inside of you, we've all got it. Don't walk on the grass. You just got to do it. Speed limit 30. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say. I'm going to just keep on going here. I've been driving past some of y'all on Florida Avenue. <laughs> he says this, he says, you can eat from everything except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, now, it's interesting about that because it's like, okay, God, so what's the problem? Because God said there's good in the tree. It's good. But there's also some jacked up stuff in the tree. It's evil. The, the tree has both up inside of it. I, I need you to be careful, but I just do me a favor, stay away from it. Because if you eat it, you're going to die. You see, here's what's interesting about the culture we live in. There's some good things 
and then there's what you think is good. And then there's some evil things, and there's what you think is evil. Those are completely different worlds all over the place. And God says, I don't want you to trust your own judgment as being able to discern and decide what's right and wrong. Take my word for it. Do it my way. I have pre-decided some things for you to get you out of jacking this thing up because if you start playing in a world that you're not equipped for, you'll make decisions that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. You see, our, our judgment, your judgment, mine is cloudy. It comes with missing information. It's biased. There's all kinds of things that get in the way of us judging what's good and what's not good. And we start trying to then justify our decisions. Oh, we're good at justifying, aren't we? Turn to someone and tell him, he is talking to you right now. Just tell him, just, I know he's talking to you. We, we are so good at that. Because you see, here's what you need to understand. The Bible says that it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the original language of the Hebrew, knowledge is a word that means to mix or combine. That this tree, you're going to try to mix and combine good and evil. You're going to try to play both sides of the fence and get what you want, but judge other folks for things you don't like. I'm going to do what I want, but I'm going to hold a different scorecard against you. And so I'll do it, but I've got a reason. I want you to love me based on my attention, but I'm going to, uh, intentions, but I'm going to judge you based on your actions. And so we have all different kinds of levels and rules, and we jack this thing up on so many levels. I hate making wrong decisions. Don't you hate going to the restaurant and you order something you wish you never ordered? Like, you knew you shouldn't have ordered it, but you were going to try it anyway. You are going to venture out and try something different. You should have stuck with the chicken fingers. I mean, it's good every time, I'm just telling you. You ever made a wrong turn when you're going somewhere? You made a wrong turn, like, ah, ah. And, and then you got to, like, go through all kinds of, trying to get back in line, right? And, and Siri's talking to you, dummy, turn around. Please move forward. And, like, I, I hate making wrong turns in life. I hate ordering wrong things in life. But there's other things that it's bad when we get wrong, like relationships, it's not just a food order, it's not a menu, but, it, but it's when we get wrong in our relationships. We're not doing that right. When, when we get parenting wrong, when I made a decision that actually helped to derail my child, I, I led them and they're, they're going to have more of my issues as opposed to doing it God's way. I'm teaching them how to do it my way. Because I'm saying one thing, but I'm leading with my actions in another way. I, I, I'm, I'm causing confusion. I'm sending mixed messages. I, I can't afford to get that wrong. Don't get the money thing wrong. Oh, don't make a money decision that you regret later on. That's horrible. That's tough. We've got to make sure we have the right information, the right counsel. God's word can lead us. You can't make a, right, a wrong attitude decision. That'll get you F-I-R-E-D, fired. We can't be walking that way. we got to put it together. Our belief system. Oh, you can't get your belief system wrong. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. Order the wrong thing on the menu. I'll buy you another one. But if your belief system is wrong, it's going to take you decades down the road. And it's going to lead your family in a way. And you're going to set up on a faulty foundation. And when the storm blows, there's nothing there to hold us. We can't afford to get our beliefs wrong. Would you turn to someone and tell them, please get your BS right. Just, just tell them, get your BS right. Your belief system. Your belief system right. Get your belief systems right. 
can't afford to get truth wrong. I know it's your truth, but it doesn't mean it's the truth. It matters. Let me, let me ask you this. Where did you get your belief system from? Where, where did you get your belief from? Who was it that gave it to you? How do you know they had it right? Just because you like them doesn't qualify for you to build your life on their foundation. No, there's a lot of folks I like. I'll have a taco with you, but I ain't got time to build a life where you're going. I got, they're just a different, we have a different perspective. Did your family give you your beliefs? Was it, was it a friend? Okay. Culture? Are we letting culture establish our belief systems? What about hurt? You got hurt. And because you got hurt, you decided something different about life. And now all of them are this way and all of them are that way. Oh, we're, we're mixing good and evil, aren't we? We're playing with that whole thing. What, what about God's word? Did you give him a chance to establish your belief system? Does his opinion matter? Let me just kind of put it to you this way. Why? Would you let anyone touch the steering wheel of your life if they're never held accountable for the outcome? Everyone has an opinion about how you should do marriage, how you should raise kids, where you should work, if you should go to church, if you should care or not. Everyone's got an opinion. But when the wheels come off and you find yourself stranded on the side of the road, the people that had the opinion are not there to help you out of the situation. They spewed an idea and left. You and I have got to guard the gates of our heart. Your eye gate, your mouth gate, your ear gate, they're all gates straight to your soul. And whatever goes inside of those gates is going to influence your heart and your life. We've got to be so selective. We've got to have boundaries that we're protecting to make sure we don't derail in this process. Because the map that you believe will decide the destination of your life. And i got to just tell you, wrong maps never lead to right places. Wrong maps never lead to right people. Wrong maps never lead you where you want to be. In fact, wrong maps will never lead you to Jesus. I can know about him without knowing him. And so we have to be so careful. That's why Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says this. There is a path. There is a path before each person that seems right but it ends in death. Can I tell you something? There is a fork in your road. There is a path that looks good. And if you look really hard, you, pro you think you see a Chick-fil-A down that road. It's not, it's, it's not real. I, it, it's enticing. you got to be so very careful about things that are pulling your attention in places that it looks really good, but it's a mirage. We've got to make sure we're handling the fork in the road right because here's what I've learned, maybe just personally, it's just my, my experience, there can be some fun stops on the road to a dead end. Oh, you can have a party before you crash. Yes, you can. You can be laughing the whole time you're going off the cliff and not even realize where you're headed. Our belief systems matter. Would you turn to someone and tell them, just check your map. Tell somebody, check your map. Just, just check your map. 
since it's been since the beginning of time, if we're going to be honest, because that's what we just looked at. We just read this with, with Adam. It's beginning, beginning of time. When man has been trying to reason and to justify his own judgment of good and evil. I do this. You don't have to admit it. I'm going to speak for all of us. I do this. I struggle. Isn't it amazing how if the world were just ran by my opinion, it would be so much better. Have you ever had that thought? If they would just do what I would tell them. Oh, we are all just geniuses in this room, aren't we? We just have it all together. Isn't it funny? Everyone's got an opinion about your house. But then when you go look at their house, you go, Psh. Sin is a disease that creates dis-ease. Sin is, 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 is that thing that, that it, it's self-inflicting wounds that uproots the foundation of my life. And watch, it creates chaos. God comes to give order. God creates to give order. But you and I, when we go against his order, we choose chaos over his order. Because I want you to understand something. After, after Adam and Eve blew it and they violated the boundary that God had set for them. Watch this, watch this. There was, there was a few th things that happened. Number one, the serpent. You know the serpent used to, it's believed by most theologians, the serpent used to walk st like standing up straight. Like he, he walked up off the ground. He, the, he did, the, the snake didn't crawl on the ground. He was upright. And God said, because of sin, because this whole thing went down, now you're going to be cursed and you're going to crawl on your belly in the dust of the earth from this time forward. God changed his status from up to down. And then Adam, Adam learned a new emoji called sorrow because God never gave Adam that experience. That was never God's plan. But because Adam sinned, now he's experiencing sorrow in life. And now he's working harder for less results in life. And by the way, at the end, there's going to be death. None of that was God's plan. God had a beautiful, perfect plan. But because he sinned and he blew it, he stepped out. He went into chaos. as a. He chose that one tree instead of the forest. Now he finds himself in a mess. What about Eve? Eve, now she's got pain and labor in childbirth. Thank God for epidurals. But I'm just saying that now we've got, we got to, this was never God's plan. Can you imagine it? Having babies was no pain. That was God's plan. To birth something was never to cause you pain, never to cause you tears, never to be difficult. It was something to be joyful and a celebration. But because of sin, when you get to heaven, kick Eve in the shin. That's all I've got to say. And even beyond that, the earth, the earth was then cursed because now it's growing thorns and weeds and decay. None of that stuff was God's original plan. But sin, the disorder, the chaos that was chosen by humanity, it completely moved everything sideways. Opposing God has never worked out for anybody. Opposing God's way has never worked out for anybody. Y'all just think about that. I'm going over here. Opposing God has never worked out. Caleb, never worked out for anybody. He's taking a picture of me right now. He, uh, that, you'll see that on Instagram later on, I know. Nobody. It's never worked out. Why do we keep trying it? It's never worked. 
I'm gonna do it my way. It never worked for Frank either. He made millions, but it never worked for him. None of us, when we reject God's authority, we're attempting to rule our own lives. We're saying, God, I don't need you. This is where you get off. I've got this. That, that, that's a scary thing to think. The Bible says in Judges chapter 17, verse 6, listen to this verse. Israel as a nation was in a mess, and this verse, this, this just this shook me. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. There's no authority. And since there's no authority, I'll run my own life. When you and I decide to run our own life, we've decided there's no authority higher than me. This is what Scott does when I get all up in my head and I eat from the wrong tree and I start judging and I'm holding people accountable and I start trying to justify and reason my world. I've told God, God, you can stay on the bus. I don't need you. Keep going. I'm going to run my, I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I'm just, I'm going to be true to me. And that true to me stuff will jack you up because there's one way to do things, to do it, to do it right. So how do we change this nature? Because you see, we talked last week about this. All this junk I'm talking about is all up inside our nature. That person beside you right now, their hair looks good right now. For some of them, both of those hairs look really good right now. But, but, but whatever the case is, and I know you love them, and I know they do some really sweet things, but the truth is they're as jacked up as you are. We all in this room struggle. None of us live as good as we look right now. If I could take the thoughts that you've had for the past 24 hours and put them on that screen right there, and we all watch your thoughts, your ideas, your judgments, all the hidden sin. Well, we'd have a lot of extra room in this church next Sunday. I promise you that. I know. They'd be looking for a new pastor. I promise you that right now. Because that's all of us. It's all in our nature. We've got to deal with this stuff. So how do we change our sensational nature? How do we do that? We go to Galatians 5. 16 and 17. Y'all hold on. This is my first closing. I've got 12. It's going to be good. Just hold on. I'm playing. Look at, look at Galatians 5. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, whew, I love that word, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Full stop right there. Hold on. Look. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then, you won't be doing what your nature craves. You crave things that could destroy your relationships. Yes, you do. You crave things that could send you into bankruptcy. You crave things that could derail your kids. You and I crave things that would absolutely wreck our lives that we could miss eternity with God. We crave that stuff. It's not a fleeting thought. I crave it. I yearn it. I want that thing. I got a passion for that right there. Y'all, y'all don't understand. Have you ever had a craving in your life? You ever had a craving in your life? Have you ever had a craving that it got you up at 11 o'clock at night to go buy that thing because it came across the TV? It looks so good. I got to have one of them things. And you go looking for it? No pizza place was open, so you settled for a 99-cent Tony's pizza that you made in the house. It was a frozen pizza, but you had to have pizza. It's amazing what happens when a craving kicks in. We'll reach for cheap stuff, trying to satisfy a craving. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Keep reading. The sinful nature wants to do evil. <laughs> That's in you. 
which is just the opposite. Just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit, watch this, this is so good. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Oh, we got a battle. We got a clash of the kingdoms going on inside right now. That's why y'all so tired when you wake up. There's been a fight all night long going on in your head. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah, all of that at the same time, right? Have you ever felt the pull of both kingdoms going on inside of you at the same time? I'm screaming me. God's going me, 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 me. All this is happening. Thank God that the Spirit of God is still screaming inside of us and not just letting us run away with who we are, but he's going, wait a minute, hold, hold. He's throwing hooks in us and holding us down. He does this. He gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions you're all jacked up I'm all jacked up we all need Jesus this is who we are and I'm talking about people who already love Jesus you gave your heart to Jesus you said come into my heart forgive me for my sins yeah you jacked up too yes you are me too this is where we are see the only way to defeat my sin nature is to give God's spirit the lead of my life. No longer doing it my way, but I choose to do it his way. And can I tell you something about that? That's not because like 7,000 angels just came down, ate cherries with you, and conversed with you, and convinced you in order to do it God's way. It was a decision that grinds on you, and I'm not feeling it right now, but okay, I'm going to go do this thing because I know it's what I need to do, not what I feel like, but I'm going to go do this thing. And now you're choosing to go the right way. The most spiritual decisions you'll make will be in non-spiritual times. Your spiritual decision are made in non-spiritual times it's not because I feel the flutters of the angel wings no and I saw what his word said I believe he's God and I'm not he is I'm going to do it his way I'm going to eat from the forest not the one tree I want to do it I'm keeping my boundaries let's do it his way and when we pursue Jesus Holy Spirit gives us the desires to lead our life I watch folks give their lives to Jesus and drug addiction broken immediately I watched folks confess Christ, just give their lives to him, and anger and unforgiveness broken that moment. It's been amazing how I've watched that deliverance take place. But then there's other times where it's been a process. I wish it would have gone back when I said, Jesus, come into my heart, but he's still here, and it's grinding on me. And it's a process of working it out. But he's leading you forward. This is what we need to know, that our mind is changing, our heart is changing, our focus is changing. That's what he does. If you drive down I-4 headed towards Orlando, a little bit less than halfway there, you're going to see a great big dinosaur on the right-hand side called Polytech. It looks like something crawled out of the swamps of Florida and it landed on the beach. It got, it got bleached white and it's just sitting there because you never know what it's going to look like, right? Sometimes it's up in the air, sometimes it's down. This big, white, mammoth, monumental structure is pretty interesting. The, the, the man who, who designed this is a world-famous architect. His name is Santiago uh, Calavatra. Uh, he's a Spanish guy. He's from Spain. Uh, they paid him $12 million in order to design this facility. Facility. I would have done it for half that, but, but they, they paid him $12 million, $12 million to design this amazing place. And if you've not been there and seen it, it is, it is truly impressive to see the structure, the detail, 
all the pieces that go with it. $60 million in order to build the facility. About 160,000 square feet. It's got a, an amazing library without one book. No joke. It, 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 it's advanced in so many different areas of technology. This man built it, and, and, and it is an icon here in Central Florida. But this, this man, Calavatra, he, he's an architectural engineer. He did the planning. He did the design, construction, operation of the building. They, they'd say, here's what we want, and they turned it over to him. He designed the building for strength. He knew that it had to stand. He knew it had to handle heat. He knew that storms were going to blow through in Florida. He knew all these things, but he built it for longevity and beauty and safety and function. He designed everything. They turned over the control of that facility to him so that when he finished, something would stand and outlast him and everybody else who was there during that project. Let me tell you something. If Florida Polytech can go so far as to need an architectural engineer to build a facility, how much more do you and I need an engineer in order to construct our lives? Your life is more than brick and mortar. Your life is more than steel. Your life is more than glass. Your life is more than just an edifice sitting on the side of the road. You are something that is fearfully and wonderfully made with a design capacity to influence and change lives for eternity. You and I need to lean in and embrace the reality of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, if we don't believe verse number one, then we're not going to believe anything else in the book. But the fact that God is a creator, he was in the beginning. He was the ultimate designer. He said, I am the architectural engineer for everything about your life. So here's what I'm telling you. Once I give you the plans, don't mess with them. Because you're going to try to put a door where there needs to be a wall. And you're going to try to take a wall out because you want to see out there. But you understand that was a load-bearing wall in your life. And it was keeping you from losing your mind. That's why I put the situation there. God said, I've designed your world so that you can stand when the storms blow in. You're going to stand. You're going to be on the other side. That when people drive by, they'll look at your life and say, man, somebody put some thought into that right there. You're not just someone who's here for the weekend. You're here for eternity. And God says, I am your engineer. I've built you to last through the storms. I built you to last through time. Let me do my work. Stop messing with the plans. Keep the boundaries in place. We need to opt into what he says so we can experience what he promised. You see, sin is thriving on rejecting the orders and messing with the plans. And I can't expect God's promises if I keep messing with his plans. God wants to bless and increase our lives. He wants to upgrade everything around us. But we've got to do it his way to get his results. Let me, let me close with this. This really, truly is my closing. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 8 and verse 11. Listen to this. This sums it all up right here. The revelation of God is whole and puts our lives together. The signposts of God are clear and point out the right road. The life maps of God are right, showing the way to joy. The directions of God are plain and easy on the eyes. Oh, there's more. God's word warns us of danger and directs us to hidden treasure. Is there anything about that verse that you don't like? Is there anything that needs to be altered and changed there to give you your best life? 
It doesn't get any better than this promise. Why would I mess with that? Which word do I pull out? Which phrase do I not like? Where has God hurt me in this process? Nothing. You see, we, we may not like God's boundaries, but without boundaries and rules and limitations, everything we enjoy would cease existing. Any football fans in the place? Me too. I'm with you. Do you know that football would stop existing without rules? They got sidelines. You step outside, boop, they're going to blow it down right there. What the? No, I'm still running. No, you stepped out of bounds. You, you, sorry, boundaries. If they don't tell you where the goal line is, you don't know when you scored. You can't just go punch somebody in the face and keep on running. No, that's a penalty. Fans cannot run on the field and start playing the game. No, and players need to stay out of the out of the out of the fans out of the stands. Yes, there's boundaries, there's order. You throw that away, it stops being a game. There's no way to put it together. That's in every area of life. A road, it's scary, it's scary, but the boundaries in the road are painted lines. And then there's these things called shoulders, and I promise you, if you try to go too far, you'll be in a ditch. There's boundaries. There's order. Marriage. Marriage has order. There's boundaries in a marriage. There's supposed to be boundaries in a marriage. That means there's like one ring, there's one love, there's one bedroom that I go to. Like that, that's just how it rolls. And Cindy, you too. That's kind, of, kind of how it rolls here. How bad would it be if there was not a boundary and predetermined set things on your money? That everybody got to redecide how much money was worth. Oh, that costs $100. Oh, that costs $1,000. It's the exact same thing. I know, but we just changed the price. We just, we just changed the value of money. No, it's a set, determined thing. You and I need something that's established and solid in the ground. It holds us true. We all need this in our lives. Everything of value has boundaries to it. And you have value. That's why God put boundaries on your life. Don't let anything or anybody treat you any way. There's a way that life works because boundaries are a blessing. They save us from pain. They save us from delays. They save us from setbacks. They save us from loss. They save us from brokenness. They'll save us from addictions. When we live with boundaries in our life, we, we, need, we need to do it his way so we can get his results. Stand to your feet if you would. Stand to your feet if you would. Here's what I want you to understand today. When we say yes to Jesus, his spirit helps us say no to ourselves. You'll never do this by yourself. I can't either. I need one greater than me to help me make the right decisions and to set those boundaries in my life. And ladies and gentlemen, this book, whenever there's boundaries, What's amazing is the boundaries that God set. Do you remember the, remember the first picture, the, the forest? Can I remind you how big the boundary was? All the way over there to all the way over there. The only thing that you weren't to do, Adam and Eve, was to touch that one thing, deal with that, eat from that one thing. You see, God's boundaries are not limiting. God's boundaries are liberating. They deliver us, and we get to wear out everything in between. The joy, the hope, the love, the faith, the peace, the rest, the strength, 
the future. You and I have decisions we have to make. I can live down to my sensational life or I can live up to his sensational life. It's based on what you and I want. Let's make the decision. Today we're going to pray. And I want you to pray in your heart as we reestablish boundaries. God, I know there's some boundaries I've stepped outside. Anybody step outside of a boundary this week? I'm talking about you and your walk with Jesus. You're like struggling. Okay, all right, very good. Look, my hand is up. That is, this is not for effect. This right here is I'm admitting right there with you. Okay, all, yes, yes. We need to pray today, and I want us to pull ourselves back in the line and just come into a place of repentance. God, forgive me. I made decisions this week that I know didn't please you, and I know it hurt me. It set me back. I want things your way. I want your results. I'm coming into alignment with what your word says. Let's all pray that today. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you love us in spite of these crazy decisions we make. The struggle that goes on on the inside, you understand it, you embrace it, and you don't condemn us over it but you work with us your mercy your grace your compassion continues to remain that's why you told us that your mercies are new every single morning thank you for loving us and thank you for your patience with us but today we recognize there's some things out of order and we can't violate boundaries and expect the blessings at the same time so God we're going to pull things in line and we repent right now in this room individually over our lives our heart our mind motives actions thoughts even plans that we have right now that we know are not going to please you in this week we're canceling plans in our mind right now I'm letting it go I'm not doing it I'm shutting it down you're calling me out your spirit has put a new desire in my heart I want to live up to what you said I can have I want your promises I want your blessing I want your increase I want to know you I don't want to push you away I'm tired of a life of chaos I want the best that you have for me today God I repent I'm coming into alignment I'm living in the boundaries I'm going to leave the one tree alone and I'll get back to the forest that you provided for my life today God we repent we ask you to forgive us step inside rearrange rework us from the inside out I pray for distractions of righteousness this week that God you would elevate the game that you would push us forward you give us a vision as to what you're doing in our life that we don't feel stuck where we are help us to get the right voices in our life create boundaries and relationships so that we're not setting ourselves up for failure but we choose the right people and the right places the right influences to continue to move us forward today God we're we're not playing with our world. We're not buildings. We're beings. And you're building us. You're the architect of our life to do something amazing in us. Guide us, lead us, direct us, speak to us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. <laughs>